February 2nd on the Just Baseball Show. It's a new month. Arm Layton and I'm Peter Apple. In this episode, top 10 best pitches from 2022, as well as the top 10 worst pitches from 2022. I wrote two articles, one on the best, one on the worst. We have some just missed. I'm excited to get into this. We haven't done top 10 pitches, but I'm excited to Arm. What's going on, my man? Yeah, man, I I had fun kind of, you know, well, one, reading through the article and and going through everything that that you dug up. And then two, kind of cross checking with some of the the data on the back end and like, you know, queuing up some of the longest home runs, which we'll talk about on the bad pitches. And then just like queuing up some nasty whiffs on some of these best pitches, because the one cool thing is, is with Savant, you know, you can kind of go and, and sift through video, right? And you can click random video and it'll give you like a foul ball on, on a Tuesday in July, or you can go like K's home runs, whatever. And you, you can just see a lot of nasty stuff with the, with the positive that we're going to talk about. And then you can see some nukes with, with the negative that we're going to talk about. So I'm excited to break that down. Me too. And we have so much top 10 type content coming. This is only the start, right? Yeah. I'm coming out with my top 100 players as just baseball, as the company. We're coming out with our top 10 by position. We mm-hmm. have college baseball rankings. We have fantasy baseball rankings. The whole nine here on the Just Baseball Show as we lead up to the 2023 MLB season. So before we start both lists, we'll start with the worst pitches going 10 to 1. Then we'll proceed to the best pitches. 10 to 1, but I want to make it clear how I rank these. They're not ranked by my opinion. These are pitches strictly from the 2022 season, and they're ranked by run value, total run value. And run value, it's a stat to define the run impact of an event based on the runners on base, outs, ball, and strike count. It's a great way to define the impact of a pitch when it comes to run production and a pitcher. You want a negative run value on a pitch, which means that particular offering subtracted a certain amount of runs. We can look at the highest velocity. We can look at the pitches with the most movement, but these are the pitches that either increased overall value or decreased overall value. So while you might find one reliever, I remember when we were talking about that Mets reliever with like the 104 mile hour cutter or whatever he had. Oh, it's like Montes de Oca. <laughs> yeah. Like that pitch in itself is probably nastier than some of the pitches on the best pitches list. But he didn't throw it 40% of the time. He didn't throw it over a 200 inning span to see the entire value of the pitch. Like there were probably worse guys who came up for four innings from the minor leagues through a fastball and it got bombed. But it's not as bad as a guy who went the entire year, had a 5-5 ERA, and he was throwing that pitch a ton, right? 
I think what it really boils down to, because you're 100 percent correct, it's it's like there's a difference. And usually if you think about a Venn diagram, usually nasty and effective overlap a lot. But the nastiest pitch doesn't necessarily mean it's the most effective pitch. So these are are the overlapping of nasty and effective when we talk about the top pitches, because it's it looks really good, like a Dylan C slider or like some of these other pitches that we're going to talk about. But also he, they locate it well, they use it a lot, and they use it effectively. And that's the most important part for you know these pitches to accumulate a negative run value and, and keep runs off the board. So uh, that's what makes this really fun. And it, it's interesting because you get these like pitching ninja, you know, gifts and pitching ninja videos of, of some of the best and nastiest pitches you're going to see. But some of these pitches are, are maybe not ones that frequent as much. So like, especially the fastballs. That's what I'm excited to talk about because there's some fastballs that are like that invisible and, and people might be surprised by some of the pitches that are on this list. Totally agree too, because you watch a pitch like Bruce Star Gratterall who throws yes. a 102 mile an hour sinker or something like that. It moves like crazy. It's at insane levels of velocity, but it doesn't produce the swing and miss. You might think it doesn't even produce a lot of soft contact. And while it does produce plenty of it, it may not be as much as you think. So this is by the numbers. We took our eyes out of it and found the most valuable pitches and the least valuable pitches. So we're starting with the least valuable and we'll start with the just missed. So five who just missed this list, Nick Pavetta's curveball and had a 16 run value. That means 16 more runs than normal. Terrible pitch. Kyle Wright's four seam fastball. We saw him use the sinker a lot more and that curveball is one of the best in baseball, but his four seam fastball, it's not it. Vladimir Gutierrez is four seam kind of easy because he just got bombed his entire year and he was using the fastball a lot. It was a bad fastball. Luis heads four seam fastball. I don't know much about him. Bad pitch. And Ryan Feltner's four seam fastball for the uh, Colorado Rockies. Uh, should we get to number 10? Let's do it. Number 10, Dallas Keuchel's cutter <laughs> comes in with a 16 run value and arm. In my opinion, this is the worst pitch yeah. in baseball. But the only reason it lands at 10 is because Dallas Keuchel made eight starts and he only threw the pitch 178 times. And every other pitch on this list, they threw it at least 750 times. So that's what's crazy. Yeah, it's still made the top 10 worst pitches because opponents slugged a thousand. Yeah. And against it, a thousand like Aaron Judge had like a 650 slug opponent slugged a thousand off it. 455 batting average. Not even like Ty Cobb gets there. Yeah. It's, and it was his third most used pitch. If I'm a pitching coach and the theme of these articles is throw your best pitches more, throw your worst pitches less throw it 15.3 percent of the time. I'd lower that to zero if I was were his pitching coach. <laughs> You know, it's amazing. So uh, the analogy for this, for those like listening, that may, might still be like trying to understand how Dallas Keiko's pitch, you know, with a 1000 slug can can only be 10 here. It's actually extremely impressive that it's at 10, like you said, Peter, because uh, I would liken it to a player being in the top 10 in war. Uh in like 50 games, let's say mm -hmm. like despite because it's a cumulative stat. So kind of Adley, Adley yeah, Rutschman as a catcher. It's the opposite for Dallas. Yeah. yeah. Like imagine, imagine that like a guy being in the top 10 in war, despite playing 30 or 40 games, that's basically the opposite of what Dallas Keiko did with the cutter. So, um, yeah, basically got bombed every single time. And, and it's because it was a pitch that was good back when it was, you know, in the upper 80, low 90s. But, you know, now at a lower velocity, it's just it just doesn't have enough 
going for it, right? A cutter is supposed to tie you up uh, as a righty and you're not getting tied up by 82. Uh, so that's exactly what happened with Dallas Keiko last year. And I think he's still trying to throw, man. I don't think he's giving it up. So I know this would be good for not gambling advice because I know you will be fading Dallas Keiko every start he gets. So uh, let's see if he gets a few more starts this year. Obviously, I hope he comes back and throws 94. That'd be super cool. Uh, but happen. I- I'd imagine that you are going to be betting on the other side of that uh, when that time comes. You hoping Dallas Keiko throws 94 is like you hoping that one of us just read starts throwing 90 and can make an independent ball team. But talking about the velocity of that pitch in general, Dallas Keuchel's cutter, average velocity, 85.2 miles an hour. Exit velocity on the cutter, 90.2 miles an hour. Yeah, So it's going out five miles an hour harder than it's coming in on average. On average. It's terrible. Not good. Number nine, Jose Barrios of the Toronto Blue Jays. His fastball at number nine. 17 run value. So his fastball, and you guys have talked about it on previous episodes mm-hmm. before, it's always kind of been an issue, but it's it really hit the fan this year. Yeah. Um he threw it 27.9% of the time, allowed 11 home runs on the fastball alone. And just to put that in perspective, his teammate Kevin Gosman allowed 15 home runs the entire season. Yeah. Opponents hit 349 against it with a 618 slug with an average exit velocity of 91.8 miles an hour. And it's not just the shape. It's not the velocity. It's not the release point. I mean, all of those are factors in it, but it's the command. We've talked about this before, yeah. too. He just serves up a 94-mile-an-hour fastball on a platter and says, hit it as far as you want. It's consistently middle-middle. So it's 94, right? Looks great in terms of velocity, but it just gets demolished, especially last year, especially 349 against the pitch, dude. Yeah, it's... It's it's really bad. And and it's funny because you're able to kind of see like I I specifically looked at Barrios's like I wanted to queue up every home run that he gave up on the fastball. And almost every single time target was like down and away or target was, you know, up and in or wherever it maybe wasn't where it ended up. And you just see the catcher's glove go right back to the middle of the plate. Like it, it's the worst miss you can have. You're better off spiking one thirty feet than just grooving it down the middle. But what's amazing is this wasn't like just, oh, the target was just put it over the plate. I mean, there's always going to be a target set up somewhere else, especially in these games with Barrios. Like you could legitimately see the catcher set up somewhere else. Ball runs right back over the middle home run. Almost every single one of the 11 home runs, maybe one or two were just good swings on decent pitches. The sinker's not good either, but it's better. And I think if you're going to miss a spot with a sinker, you know, usually it'll run down. You can get a ground ball rather than missing with the four seamer. It's right down the middle. Look at baseball savant and look at the heat map of his four seamer. It's it's just right hot in the middle. Uh, I wonder how much he's going to throw this pitch next year, Peter, because I'm I'm thinking about it. And, you know, the sinker, again, not not great, but easier to skate by with and easier to get away with misses with. I wonder if we're going to see more sinker, less four seam. Uh, obviously, he's aware that this is one of the worst pitches in baseball this past year. And um, I think we'll, we'll be able to kind of tell what kind of burritos we're going to get based on how much he uses this pitch, because like you said, it's always been a problem. And I don't see it getting any better. It's more about tweaking the arsenal. Because it's not like this year it was just 
way out of whack and terrible. Like it's always been mm-hmm. his worst pitch, mm-hmm. but it's just he threw it a decent amount of time. And this year, especially that horizontal movement, it would come in on lefties and then just drift over to the middle of the plate or he'd try and throw it on the outside corner to righties and it would drift into the middle of the plate and just got freaking tanked to the moon. Yeah. All right. Number eight. Yoan Adone of the Washington Nationals, his four-seam fastball, 17-run value, the same as Jose Barrios' fastball for those Blue Jays fans out there. Um, he threw five different pitches in 2022, Yoan Adone did, and for some reason he decided to throw his worst pitch 65.5% of the time. Just goes to show the Nationals' development, and they're just not giving their pitchers a good game plan out there because you know the fastball is so bad and it keeps getting destroyed, but yet they keep calling for it. Um, his curveball is also bad, but the fastball is what makes the list. Like I said, average is 95, so it may not look too bad, but it's got that same type of horizontal movement as Barrios's. And when you don't have command of the pitch, that's when it just gets bombed because it just leaks into the middle of the plate. Like Yoan Adone was one of baseball's worst pitchers last year, which makes sense that his most used pitch makes the top 10 worst pitches of 2022. Yeah. You know, it's bad when, you know, I, I, I talked to a couple guys that face him in the minor leagues. They just said it was, it was easy to pick up out of his hand. And you know, you wonder if, if with a dome, cause he's talented 95 miles an hour and, and it's pretty effortless. Uh, it's almost too effortless where it's really easy to pick up, but he doesn't really trust any of his other pitches, the, the curve, the change, the slider, like none of those pitches were around the strike zone in the big leagues and in the minor leagues. So he was forced to fall back on that fastball and, Guys were just sitting on it. So, yeah, it got teed off on at pretty much every single level. And and that was, you know, part of the problem for him uh, this past year. And and I, I forgot to mention on on the first couple guys, I have the, the longest home runs of the year against that pitch. And for Adone, Jock Peterson hit a 441-foot homer at 109 miles an hour against that fastball last year. So, I mean, uh, that's a nuke. And, and that wasn't the only nuke he gave up. But an even worse fastball than that, Kyle Bradish of the Baltimore Orioles, his four-seam fastball last year at a 19-run value. The difference is Bradish has a really good slider. It was one of the better breaking balls last year, but his fastball sucked. Uh, I, I want him to start using his slider a lot more, letting his fastball take a back seat after posting a 4.89 ERA in his first year. We saw him be really, really bad in the kind of first half and leaking over the all-star break. But I, those past couple of months, he really started pitching better because he started throwing that slider much more. And the slider is nasty. And the fastball can reach 96. So the issue is in velocity. It appears to cut slightly, but it's always cutting right into the barrel. Mm-hmm. And, and it just gets hit so freaking hard, averaging 91.3 miles an hour in exit velocity. Like I said, against the slider, opponents hit 212. Against the four-seamer, 321. And kind of similar to Brios, we saw Bradish start throwing his sinker a little bit more mm-hmm. because it's clear. Bradish knows his fastball is getting destroyed. The Orioles know his fastball is getting destroyed. So they're like, we have to change this mm-hmm. up. I'm excited for him next year because, like I said, I don't think a lot of pitchers in the American League have a slider as good as him. But almost every single one of them has a fastball that's better than him. <laughs> I was going to say, especially on this list, I actually think Bradish can be pretty good. And that's what's fun about this. You know, I don't we always say we don't love like you know, just highlighting the bad things about players. But what's fun about this is some of these guys like this is the missing piece, right? Tweak it, use it less. Like some of these guys can can still be good arms. Some of them you know, might not be as as rosy. I think just the last guy we talked about compared to Bradish, very different. Bradish just turned 26. 
And you talk about how the pitch usage kind of changed as the year went on over his last 10 starts. He used the slider as much as he used the fastball, both right around 35% of the time and had a lot of success with the slider. So if that that's a pitch that he can still get away with that level of usage with how well he commands it. And then, like you said, started using the sinker more. That can be something that you know makes his arsenal just slightly better and could be the difference between him being a 4-8 guy and a 4-1 or 4-2 guy ERA-wise. And that's a difference between a swing man or a guy that struggles to break a rotation and you know a pretty solidified number five starter. So I I think Bradish can be a solid back end of the rotation starter. And, you know, the Orioles really need that. And Bradish is one of the guys I actually believe in a little bit more than some of the other arms that they have in the fold there. And I'm interested to see if he continues that trend. But I think it was extremely encouraging, like you mentioned, Peter, that we did see a tweak in that pitch usage. And it wasn't a coincidence that he had much more success down the stretch. At number six, Chris Bubich's four-seam fastballs at a 20-run value. This pitch sucks. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's not a, you know, a pitcher that, you know, one season it was, you know, decent. And then the next, I mean, it's just, it's just not that good of a pitch. Um, it's, his ERA has gotten worse and worse over the last three seasons. And it has a lot to do with the usage of the fastball. You know, his worst year was 2022 when his fastball was at its absolute bottom. He was throwing it harder than ever, but it got hit harder than ever. His average velocity of the fastball, 91.8. Average exit velocity, 90.8. Opponents hit 348 against his fastball. So many doubles, so many bombs. And it has similar that horizontal movement, but it leaks over the zone. So a lot of these guys... It's not just the physical aspect of the pitch. It's the location. And when you combine bad location with bad pitch shape and not high velocity, and he, Chris Bubich, one thing he does have working for him is he has this not herky-jerky kind of windup, but it does have some deception there. And I think that's the only reason it's not the worst fastball in baseball last season because it did show flashes occasionally of being a decent pitch. 2021 especially but this year i mean no wonder he had a 5-3 era his fastball was getting freaking ballooned on him yeah and he was throwing it a lot right i mean this threw it half the time so it's tough uh because you know they really needed bubich and bubich showed some flashes in the minor leagues but you know with, with, with the lack of plus secondary pitch and then you know the struggles with the fastball it doesn't doesn't look great for him and uh i mean the royals it has not been good with that organization outside of Brady Singer when it comes to development. So it's unfortunate because Bubich looked like a guy that could have been one of the the arms to finally break out. And then you know, the big leagues really just kind of proved as a big difference in terms of that average stuff, just not playing up the same way at the big league level. And the fastball was the biggest example. Another fastball arms favorite player. Austin Gomber comes yeah. in at number five with a 21 run value. Uh, he was the main piece in that Nolan Arenado trade. Um, and I think his fastball is kind of a perfect symbol of how that trade has aged. And, uh, we- I think the data is wrong, by the way. I, I actually think that this is a, a glitch in the system. 
and Austin Gomber is being absolutely. I don't know if you saw some of the the stuff about Jaron Jackson Jr. and the stats being tracked <laughs> improperly with the blocks and uh, how the DPOI Defensive Player of the Year thing is a whole sham. Uh, that's how I feel about Austin Gomber's fastball. I think you did my guy dirty, uh, and and he's out to prove it. He's out for blood this year. I do love that the gif you used in the article though was Pujols uh, hitting a homer off of him, but you know that's the only guy. Only Hall of Famers are hitting home runs off of Gomber. Here's the data point for you. Opponents hit 376 against it. That was the highest on this list outside of Dallas Keuchel's cutter. And what I would say is the eye test matches the data. (laughs) Nothing is appealing about this fastball. Doesn't produce whiffs. Doesn't put away guys. It's slow. It doesn't have movement and it doesn't produce soft contact. And guess what he doesn't do? Locate it well either. No. It's a very bad fastball. This yeah. was the number one guy in the Nolan Arenado deal, and the Rockies paid the Cardinals. They paid a lot of money. Doesn't isn't this fastball a perfect symbol of the trade? Yes, I think so. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's ironic too because uh, hitters were actually better than Nolan Arenado off of the fastball uh, with the numbers that you put up here. The one thing Gomber does have going for him, and it's a reason why he's able to like stay keep his ERA out of double digits because I do, I, I do really think that keep this guy ERA uh, out of double digits or just the kidding? fastball is the fastball is legitimately like an eight ERA pitch, right? You just, you just broke that down, but the slider is actually pretty good. Um, and, and to have that success with the slider at Coors field is pretty impressive. The changeup isn't that bad. And the curveball isn't that bad. Like if he could find a way to have a kind of bad fastball, uh, I, I think he could actually be a pretty good starter. And the big reason why I like him is that the slider, he adjusted it and it really plays well, given the environment. You know, most most players you know, don't get that kind of movement uh, on their slider at Coors Field, even though it affects vertical movement more. But yeah, this fastball straight as an arrow at that altitude. And, and that's the big problem. But Gomber does have good enough secondary stuff, I think, to be a competent starter. I really do believe that. But yeah, the fastball is a problem. It might just have to be outside of course field yeah. um, at number four, Josiah Gray of the Washington Nationals, his four seamer 22 run value. Remember, he was the main piece in the Max Scherzer trade from the Dodgers to the Nationals. And it's gone about as well as you can imagine with Josiah Gray's fastball at number four on this list. He started 41 games in his career and his ERA is 5.17. And it has a lot to do with how bad that fastball is. Arm opponents yeah. slugged 738 against it. That's the highest on this list outside of Dallas Keuchel's cutter. It has a decent amount of horizontal movement, but guess what? We're talking about the same issue. He doesn't locate it well. It doesn't have any induced vertical break or anything to give it a rising effect. It is a flat fastball, 94 to 95, that leaks into the middle of the zone and gets tattooed more than basically any other fastball on this list due to the sheer slugging percentage of it just getting rocked for extra base hits. Yeah, you know, this was one of the bigger surprises to me, man. Um, you know, because Gray was was a prospect that I, I was really high on it. And I'm not giving up on him by any means, right? This guy is good stuff. And he's an athletic pitcher. He's extremely young. Uh, and, he, you know, he's in an organization, as we've talked about, that just hasn't done a great job uh, of developing arms of late or just really developing much at all. Uh, though I do think they're heading in the right direction now, finally. Uh, 
the the fastball though, as I kind of went back and looked at some of the data in the minor leagues, if I knew what I know now, you know, which of course hindsight's twenty twenty, but going back and looking at some of the advanced data in the minor leagues that you know, I didn't have at my disposal then, uh, it, it was getting hit in the minors pretty good. Uh, it was, but he was able to get away with it because one, it's mid nineties, so he'd overpower you know more mediocre hitters, and then two, he's got a really good curveball and, and slider. Uh, they blend together a little bit, but he's got really good breaking balls that he was able to just get guys out all the time with. So. That was something that I think wasn't on his radar in terms of the fastball until he got to the big leagues because he got away with it. He was able to to dominate minor league hitters. So I'm really interested to see how a 25-year-old Josiah Gray bounces back from this. You still have the good breaking balls. You still are extremely talented and very athletic. And he was a shortstop in college before he converted to the mound. So this is a guy I still really believe in. But this was a wake up call for him. It's going to be interesting to see how he uh, transitions and how he responds, because clearly it wasn't something that got any better as the year went on. You wouldn't be in the top five on this list if it got better as the year went on. That's how Bradish stayed out of the top five. And similar to Bradish, similar to Brios, really good secondaries, like you mentioned. The curveball mm-hmm. and the slider, I know they kind of blend together sometimes, and it's hard to decipher which one is which because they come in at a decently similar velocity, and there isn't a huge change in movement where you're like, oh, that's a big 72-mile-an-hour loop and curveball versus an 86-mile-an-hour slider. It's not like that, but both of those opponents hit under 200 against his curveball and his slider. So similar to those guys, if he can figure out the fastball, he has a bright future ahead of him. Yeah, this is now back-to-back seasons of a really, really bad fastball. And you said it yourself in the minor leagues, the data wasn't great on it. So we'll see how he progresses. Um, next on the list, fellow teammate Patrick Corbin slider, 23 run value at number three. Uh, Corbin's been the worst qualified pitcher in Major League Baseball for a while now. And it has a lot to do with the sliders drop off in production. It does have the highest whiff rate on this list because it is his best secondary for all those watching on YouTube. I'm using quotes because it used to be, but now it's routinely distributed for extra base hits 23 and 175 at bats led to a 571 slugging against, like I said, in 2019 opponents only hit 158 against his slider. But it's good. It's be good. Or Corbin himself decided to throw it less because now opponents hit 309 against it. And now he's put together back to back seasons with an ERA over 575. It's very rare to see a slider make this list. But for how often he threw it on two strike counts, you could tell the value of the pitch is was the third worst in 2022. And that's why he's got an ERA near six. That's why he's been one of the worst pitchers in baseball, because that slider went from a really good slider, really good out pitch to one of the worst pitches in baseball. And he's not getting his fastball by anybody. And that's why he gets crushed. His slider sucks. Yeah, It's, it's pretty wild because yeah, even when he was kind of bad and, and struggling, like you said, that was still kind of the pitch that that worked for him. Um, but but now it was that was pretty much the the final straw, right? It was like, okay, if the slider is not working for him at this point, he's got nothing really going for him. And it's tough to watch because, you know, I am glad that Corbin got his money before he really hit this wall. And he's an awesome story as a guy that didn't really start playing baseball until, you know, late in his high school career and then went the Juco route. Uh, Syracuse kid as well. Uh, not, not very much a baseball pipeline uh, in that regard. But yeah, Corbin 
I don't I don't see this changing, unfortunately. And you go across his entire arsenal, 309 against the sinker, 309 against the slider, 350 against the four seamer, and 380 against the changeup batting average wise across the board. Like there, there's not using one pitch more and the other pitch less that's gonna help him here. Like there's I, I don't really know what's gonna happen for him to be able to to find success again, but hopefully he he does because the Nats are going to keep rolling him out there every fifth day. I think that's been made very clear uh, until his contract is up or until they have a team that's actually competitive and, and cares about win-loss results. Another pitcher that just keeps getting rolled out there and his effectiveness has crashed and burned over the last few seasons. It's Madison Bumgarner's four-seam fastball, 24-run value. I mean, remember in 2014, he's one of the best postseason pitchers of all time. Opponents hit 205 against his fastball. Last year, opponents hit 326 against it. It's dropped two miles an hour in velocity, has no natural movement. Uh, it's his second most used pitch to his cutter, which also surrendered a 306 <laughs> batting average against. But the curveball and the changeup by the numbers, they're still getting the job done. But everything that he throws hard, like everything above 86, just gets hit to the freaking moon. Yeah. Like if I'm if I'm facing Bumgarner, like you and I, Peter Apple and Arm Layton, I'm just not swinging at anything slow. I'll let the curveball, the changeup, just let it pass my. If you can throw for a strike, you tip your cap. Um, beat me with the cutter and the four seamer. I mean, we would strike out because we suck, but he's not getting it by big league pitchers at, or hitters at all. It makes sense. It's number two on this list. It's getting yeah, crazy. 80, <laughs> another another slow cutter, right? You know, and and the only guy oh, that it's really the four seamer. It's the it, four seamer and yeah. the cutter. Both no, but I'm saying crazy. like the, the cutter was a pitch he used more. It's a slow cutter, and then it. I think after that, it always got is a 91 mile an hour fastball. So it, those are the two pitches that he used the most. So you're sitting between 87 and 91. And like you said, just letting him kind of locate the slow spinners if he can. And if he can do that three straight times, like you're not worried about that though, too, because you can react and and throw your hands at a 79 mile an hour curveball, even if you're fooled, uh, if you can keep your weight back and all these big league hitters are able to control their body well enough. Mad bum, you know, this is a guy I don't, don't mind, um, you know, being harsher on. Yeah. I'm not the biggest mad bum fan. I think anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I like to make fun of mad bum. Uh, what's amazing too, is you look at the gif that you picked in, in the article um, and it's Mookie Betts hitting a home run on a fastball that is maybe on the outside corner. It's kind of painted and it's good just pitch. so not good. It's like it came out of like it the iron. Purpose. It's like, it, it looks like it's legitimately straight on a line out of the, like perfect pitching machine, you know, that just serves it right up. And Mookie's still able to hit it out to dead center, even though it's on the outer black. And that's when, you know, a pitch just doesn't have much to it. Uh, the, the furthest home run that mad bum gave up on his four seamer last year was a 446 foot homer from Byron Buxton at 114 miles per hour. That is a nuke. It was an absolute rocket uh, from from Byron Buxton there. Uh, and and the other one I always think of is Max Muncy hitting that bomb off of him. And you know, then Mad Mum got all upset about it. And Muncy told him he can go fish it out of McCovey Cove. Uh, that that was a classic. But yeah, that that's a nuke. And Mad Bum, I don't I don't see anything changing anytime soon. That Savant page is 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 rough to look at. Yeah, it's as blue as the ocean. You want to talk about a nuke allower? The number <laughs> one worst pitch. 
of 2022 is Chad Cool's sinker on the Colorado Rockies. Not only was it the worst pitch by total value last season in terms of run value, it's also the worst pitch in a single season since baseball savant started tracking total run value back in 2019. The sinker had a 53.7% hard hit rate. For reference, Aaron Judge had a 54.7% hard hit rate in 2017, where he set the rookie record for home runs. Uh, Chad Cool finished the 2022 season with a 5.72 ERA. Makes sense. Sinker was the most used pitch. Doesn't really have movement. Averages 92.8 miles an hour on it regularly. Opponents hit it harder than it comes in, which you don't see often, especially when it's coming in at 93, but it's leaving the bat at an average exit velocity of 93.9. Opponents hit 367. So Joe Maurer in his best year against the sinker. <laughs> And only swung and missed 11.8% of the time. I would shelve that pitch if I were you, Chad Cool. It sucks. It was the worst I, in baseball in 2022. Especially sinkers in Coors Field. I, it's tough. It really becomes just a straight fastball for some guys. And that's exactly what it was for Cool. What's interesting is Chad Cool's slider is actually good. Uh, another guy that horizontal movement worked really well for him out there. But What's interesting is the sinker usage skyrocketed last year, right? Like he used it more than ever when it was a pitch that was the worst in baseball. So that's what makes it really interesting for me is it, you look at 2021, 346 batting average allowed. And he says, fuck it. I'm going to use this thing three times as much. He went from 13% usage to 42% usage. And maybe that was a, a way to try to combat the altitude and at Coors Field, but the thing is, his ERA was actually worse on the road. Again, cool slider alone is enough for him to to be an option as a you know sixth or seventh inning reliever. Like that guy could come in and just throw that slider and be a decent middle inning reliever. And I think that's what you know ultimately will will be what gets him back into the big leagues and get him to survive uh, in the big leagues. So at least he has a pitch going for him. And literally, if you're a reliever. If you're Chad Cool and you go to the bullpen, just just get rid of this pitch, and and you're going to be in much better shape. The furthest home run he gave up, 464-foot homer to Tommy LaStella. Uh, yes, it was at Coors Field, but still, that's a nuke off the bat of Tommy LaStella on that sinker. So the gif I used, uh, do you see, was Michael Harris yep. hitting that home run. Uh, I picked that highlight specifically because I had a bet, and that home run won me the bet. <laughs> that play, I remember I came on, and I'm saying – you know how when you take a first five innings bet, you go that team minus a half, so they only have to win by one run? Yeah. It was Chad Cool that day against Strider and the Rockies. They couldn't hit high velocity at all. And I'm like, Strider, and I had Strider over Ks. And I was like, he's going to strike out 10, 12 batters. In that game, I think he had 14 Ks. And Chad Cool actually was dealing against yeah. Strider. And he had I was a couple like, like, oh my God. freak starts this, that last year, which is the craziest part. He had a couple like fire starts. Yeah, and I've been at your apartment where sometimes I'm on the opposite end of a fifth inning home run that ruins it. But that home run by Michael Harris not only gave them, I think, a 1-0 lead, but then I think another home run was hit in that inning, and I ended up winning the bet because they had to win by two runs through five innings, which is not unheard of. It can happen all the time, but 
from a bet perspective. It's hard. You never should do that, but I was so confident in it, and it hit. Thank you, Chad Cool, and your terrible sinker. The worst pitch in Major League Baseball. For all those watching on YouTube, if you could hit us with a like, hit us, hit that subscribe button, comment what are the worst pitches that you thought in the 2022 MLB season, because remember, this is not 2021. This is not throughout their history. This was the worst performing pitches of the 2022 MLB season. Now, we break into the top 10 pitches of the MLB season. And just to remind our listeners, whether you're listening on audio or on YouTube, these are ranked by run value. And again, to define run value, it's the run impact of an event based on the runners on base, outs, ball, and strike count. A pitcher wants a negative run value because it means that particular offering prevented a certain amount of runs. So on the last list, those didn't prevent runs. They actually added runs. On this list, you'll see it all minus, right? Minus a run value. So for example, the top pitch from 2022 at minus 36 run value. So that means it prevented 36 runs. So these are some of the best pitches of baseball. Remember, we're not looking at, you know, a relievers cutter who threw nine innings and the cutter made it on pitching ninja and it was the nastiest. These are ranked by total value. So there's a lot of starters on this list, but there are a few relievers. And you can tell if a reliever made this list, that means that pitch is probably the best pitch in baseball. Yeah. But on this, because it's ranked by total value, they just didn't throw it enough. Right. Yeah. And when I was making this list, there was a couple of pitches that I thought would be up here. Emmanuel Classe's cutter didn't make the list. Mm -hmm. Andres Munoz's slider is in the just miss category. That's how good his slider was. Spencer Strider's four seam is on just missed. Alec Manoa's four seam just missed. Yimi Garcia. That was no a surprise. Idea. Surprise. It just missed. And then, of course, Max Scherzer's slider. Max Scherzer has a lot of really good pitches, but by total value last year, his slider was his best pitch. Ready for number 10? Yes. So in my personal opinion, this is my favorite pitch to watch. Mm -hmm. It's the most majestic. It's It just captures... Every little piece of baseball, I feel like perfectly. And that's Corbin Burns's cutter at a negative 21 run value for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, the cutter for Burns is such a fascinating story because in 2019, he had the worst qualified ERA in Major League Baseball, 8.82. But he was a top pitching prospect. I remember, I think he was a top 100 guy for the Brewers. He had a lot of other really good offerings, but his four-seam fastball was just getting creamed by run value. That year, Corbin Burns' fastball was the worst pitch in baseball. And then he retools it, gets a cutter instead. His cutter usage went from 0.9% to 31.5% in 2020. What does the ERA go from? 8.82 in 2019 to 2.11 that year. Now, he's one of the best overall pitches in baseball, throwing that cutter at 55.4%. It's dropped a little bit in velocity. That's maybe why it's number 10 on this list. Remember, in 2022, rather than, you know, in a long-standing period, because it's the only pitch in Major League Baseball since 2020 to be ranked in the top 10 in run value every single season. But there's no question about it. It's easily the most valuable cutter 
in all of baseball. Yeah, his east-west command is the most impressive part about it, right? With that cutter uh, in the video that you have in the article is, you know, Lars Newbar getting backdoored. And what's amazing to me is, you know, he can run that in on a left-handed hitter and tie you up because it's still mid-90s or he can backdoor you as a lefty. And the other thing is, you know, cutters, sometimes you see guys that depending on how it moves, how short it is and how they command it, uh, you know, they, they might only have success with it against righties or against lefties. But he, he was great with that cutter against guys from both sides of the plate, right? It's a sub 700 OPS for lefties and for righties. It's more in the low 600s. And, you know, that speaks to, you know, how well he's able to command it east and west. And that's what makes Burns so good with that cutter. And, and man, it, it is one of the more fun pitches to watch and one of the more fun pitches to watch hitters react to. Just no one ever looks very comfortable against it. So when I was, uh, I'm creating my top 100 list, right? And I'm on the phone with our guy, Dustin, just talking through some players, trying to get his uh, opinion on some guys. And we were both talking. Would you agree or disagree that in terms of a pitch repertoire, right? The cutter, the changeup, the slider, all of his different pitches. Do you think it's the best pitch mix in baseball? Mm. Not to say that like, like DeGrom has his fastball slider changeup which is amazing. Sandy has a great pitch mix. A lot of guys in baseball have a great repertoire. But in my personal opinion, because it's like five deep and every single one of them feels like the nastiest thing I've ever seen, I think his array of pitches is the best in baseball. Not to say he has the best command and like he doesn't throw a 102. He doesn't throw a 93 mile an hour slider. But in terms of a mix, feels like the best in baseball. I would take Max Scherzer's mix, I think. Mm, don't hate that at all. And That's a healthy answer. Walker Bueller, potentially. Mm, don't hate but that But I would put all. Corbin top three right there. Top three or four. Maybe I'm missing somebody. Else. Like, it's it's better than most guys. You look at chase rates. You look at whiff rates with the curve, the slider, and the changeup. Yeah, it's it's got to be one of the best, um, especially just with the command he has. But he does use the cutter probably more than some of the other guys with those, like more than Max Scherzer uses any of his pitches or more than Walker Bueller uh, uses any of his pitches. So I would probably lean one of those guys, but Corbin Burns, pitch mix is up there with anybody's. One last thing on Corbin Burns, sad that Omar Narvaez left because he was the perfect catcher to frame that backdoor cutter. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how it works. It's going to be interesting to see how it works with Contreras now back there if he's catching a decent amount. My favorite event in baseball, like a one-pitch event, more than home runs, more than stolen bases, more than walk-offs, anything, is a backdoor 98-mile-an-hour Corbin Burns cutter that Omar Narvaez catches perfectly for for a backwards K. That's my favorite. I I, I agree. That, That and Class A's, too. I could watch that all day. Yeah. I agree. And number nine, the biggest shock on this list, at least it was a shock for me, Joe Ryan's four-seam fastball at a negative 21 run value. Um, It's only 91 to 95, but it's just so hard to barrel up. Lower batting average against, higher whiff rate, higher put-away rate than Verlander's fastball, who it's on this list, higher lower, higher lower, has a lower hard hit rate than Carlos Rodon's fastball, which is also on this list. And you're wondering, Peter, how is Joe Ryan's fastball on this list? It has some movement, horizontal, vertical. Makes sense that it could potentially be among the better fastballs. But listen to this. Opponents over the last two seasons, 
have only hit 173 against the pitch. It's a four-seamer. And they see it 63% of the time. So if I'm in the box and I know 93 is coming and I still can't hit it, like you look at his other secondary offerings and they're fine, but you don't just have a 3-5 ERA in Major League Baseball without one elite pitch or at least command of an elite pitch. Joe Ryan can throw his fastball wherever it wants. It has a lot more vertical movement than you might think, which gives it that rising action, which makes it look faster than 95. And think about it for a second. Why is Joe Ryan good? Because nobody can hit his fastball. Fascinating person to be on this list, I thought. Yeah, so this is one that I was just digging up the old prospect write-up I did for the Twins in 2021 on Joe Ryan. And I put a plus grade on his fastball. And I remember some people asking me, like, why'd you put a plus grade on it? And I was like, you'll see. You know, and and it's crazy to see it translate to this level at the big league level, right? It, it, it's that invisible. It's a low release point. His body kind of comes at you quick. And then the arm is the last thing. It's almost slingshotty. And with the ride that it has from that release point, it's kind of like Nestor Cortez, where you're like, come on, that's 92. Like that's 92 at the top of the zone. Why can't you hit that? But it just rides. And, you know, your mind is a hitter. You're used to seeing balls, and and that's the craziest part about, about hitting and in baseball in general is you see the ball come out of the pitcher's hand. You, you process that it's a fastball or a curveball. If you process that it's a fastball, your mind accounts naturally for where it's going to drop based on the million balls that all of these guys have hit, except for guys like Joe Ryan, where wherever your mind tells you it's going to drop towards, it doesn't. And that's why all of these guys just swing under it. It's pretty remarkable. And, and it's cool to see guys that, you know, might not have the best stuff on paper, finding ways to just get swings and misses. And it's pretty awesome that Joe Ryan's fastball is on this list. People say don't trade with the Rays. This was a 40-man roster crunch in a Nelson Cruz deal. And it looks like the Twins got the better end of that one. So sometimes you can trade with the Rays. Sometimes you can. Dylan Tate's sinker. Comes in at number eight, another shocking one on this list because, and I have, you know, I have some history a little bit with Dylan Tate. Um, I grew up in Santa Barbara, California, going to UCSB baseball games all the time. And Dylan Tate was a pitcher on that UCSB Gauchos team for a while while I was in high school. And he was an incredible pitcher to watch. I remember I saw Bieber too. I came away watching UCSB games thinking that Dylan Tate guy is the best pitcher I've ever seen in college. He went number four overall in the draft, and I was so excited to see him hit the bigs. But he just never got his footing, was never really a starter, but still had great stuff. But he never really developed this sinker until he landed in a bullpen role with the Orioles. And he started throwing his slider a lot more in 2022 to pair with that sinker, which he threw 50% of the time. And there's a lot of great things about the sinker. One, he can throw wherever he wants, which is incredibly important when it has really good movement. And he varies the velocity a ton. I saw this firsthand Yankees-Orioles games watching him constantly because he'll throw a 92, 93-mile-an-hour sinker and then just hum it up to 99. So not only does it have movement, not only can he throw it wherever he wants, the varying of velocity is fantastic. It's not you're not going to see it on Pitching Ninja because it's not a Blake Trinan sinker where it's falling off the table or a Bruce Dark Gratterall. But in terms of value, in terms of production, it was the most valuable sinker 
in 2022. And when Sabre agrees, they wrote an article on it too. How it was the most valuable sinker? I'll take that. Yeah. It was on the list. Sabre agreed and watching it firsthand. It's an amazing <clears throat> pitch because it's not flashy, but it's the varying velocities, the location, wherever he wants, and that specific arm angle where it's kind of similar to Joe Ryan, the whippiness of it. Guys couldn't hit it. Couldn't hit it at all last season. What's amazing is uh, he landed a first strike 76% of the time. You, you talk about how it's not like a pitching ninja pitch. It, it didn't generate many whiffs. I think it was 10% whiff rate. And like, I think opponents had like a 92% in or 94% in zone contact rate, which is really high, which makes it remarkable. But they also had a 66% ground ball rate. The average exit velocity was super low compared to, you know, a lot of other guys that throw fastballs like that, especially sinkers. And it was one of the best ground ball and weak contact inducers in baseball. Got a lot of chases at the bottom of the zone. Uh, and, and again, like you mentioned, spotted it up. So this is probably the most non-traditional uh, pitch on this list in terms of of what you would expect to see such a high run value out of. And it's really cool to see Tate figure it out at this stage of his career, 28 years old, uh, find his way into being one of the game's more effective relievers, which is really awesome, especially for an Orioles team that I know we're all excited about. And uh, I think this guy is part of the reason why they were okay with trading Jorge Lopez, why they were okay with moving some of the other arms uh, in their bullpen. I think this is a guy that's going to be a big part of what they're doing out there uh, in in Baltimore. So interested, interested to see how Tate builds off of this year. Year, which was predicated on that sinker. I'm sure Orioles fans are confused thinking, where's Felix Bautista? Yeah. Didn't make the list. Not that 100 mile an hour fastball, not the splitter either. The best pitch in the Orioles bullpen last season was Dylan Tate's sinker yep. by the numbers. Nastiness, eye test. Yeah, the splitter looks better, but it wasn't as productive as Dylan Tate's sinker. But since 2021, the most productive pitch in Major League Baseball comes in at number seven in 2022. That's Carlos Rodon, new New York Yankee, his four-seam fastball. Yeah, He throws this freaking pitch at 61.2%, the highest usage of any on this list. Remember our theme, throw your best pitches more? Yeah, Rodon took his fastball on his slider, and he was like, these are the two best pitches. I'm going to use them all the time, threw it 93% of the time between those two in 2022. Since 2021, Rodon has thrown his 96 mile an hour. That's where he averages, but he can get it up to 99. And he's allowed just 20 home runs, and he's thrown it 3,218 times. The crazy part about it is, kind of similar to Joe Ryan, you know the fastball is coming. Like, what else are you going to say? He throws it above 60% of the time, and he has one other offering. It doesn't move quite like some other players on this list in terms of vertical movement, but it's hard. Touched 99.5 miles an hour last year with the fastball, and the way it works with the slider, he's a tunneling machine. We use that term a lot. You hear that, and you say, what is tunneling? Tunneling is when they throw it from a similar release point and it looks like it's going in the same direction, but the slider dives down and in, and the fastball just keeps riding up, and you kind of have to guess. But they know either is coming. So if you sit fastball, you're going to see it two out of every three pitches, and still nobody can touch it. The Yankees are getting one of the best pitchers in baseball. Yeah. I mean, when he's healthy and, and the velo is is mid-90s, it, 
It's it's ridiculous. It's 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 crazy how confident he is, but also the way he hides the ball, uh, which really, you know, accentuates the the ability to tunnel and makes it so hard for hitters to differentiate. And he throws both just enough. The other thing that's really important is his ability to land that slider for a strike. So when you're sitting fastball, like he's not afraid if he he notices or the, his catcher notices that you're sitting fastball, he can spot two sliders in a row. And then at that point, your brain's a pretzel. What are you sitting on 0-2 at that point or 1-2? Uh, so that that's the perfect part. Is it, It's the balance of just enough of each where he, he can keep hitters honest. And, and that get me over curveball every once in a while. That will mix in just enough to steal some strikes when he needs to. But the amazing thing with Rodon is uh, that you know he's gained this VLO later in his career. He, he's kind of gotten healthy and found it. Uh, and, and this is a perfect example of deception and tunneling can really allow stuff to play up in a big way. And uh, it's awesome to see Rodon have this level of success. And I hope it continues in New York. Uh, the one thing is when you do have that riding fastball that you like to put at the top of the zone, you can be more susceptible to the long ball. So I'm interested to see how that's going to play at Yankee Stadium. There's more added uh, importance on hitting your spots, but I think he's going to be great. And I'm really excited to see how he does in pinstripes. I could see some home runs taking up, especially yeah. coming from uh, San Francisco where – you know, that San Francisco wind, the thick air. If you've ever seen the Willie Mays documentary, he talks about it. It's not quite to that level. Yes, but it's still it's a tough place to hit. One of the Mm -hmm. easiest parks to pitch in, not to hit in Yankee Stadium. Not so much, but I'm still excited to see him in pinstripes. Uh, Number six, this fastball is thrown about four mile an hour slower than Rodon's, but it was a tick more valuable. And now they're both teammates. Nasty Nestor's four seam. And if you're curious, it's like, oh, he's only throws at 91, 92. I have a gif in the article where he's hitting 95 miles an hour. Like I said, not one of the hardest fastballs, but it has as much vertical movement as anyone else in the game. That vertical movement gives it that rising effect, but it's not actually rising. Like when we say rising effect, it's just dropping less. Mm-hmm than a normal fastball so it doesn't have that normal plane so a fastball goes by the batter in a blink of an eye so it's all muscle memory right they're expecting the ball to be on a certain plane and to drop a little bit into their barrel that doesn't happen with Nestor's fastball so while it might be 92 to 93 it looks faster that faster than that and it gets up on you quicker than that but it's not just the physical pitch right It's not just 92. It's not just the vertical movement. It's Nestor's varying leg lifts and his completely different release points that makes it impossible to kind of time up. And that's what Nestor is doing. We saw him talk about that in the All-Star game. Throwing off hitters timing is incredibly important. And there's few pitchers in baseball who do it better than Nestor Cortez. And that's why opponents only hit 157 against the pitch. Only 11 extra base hits. Even though he threw it over a thousand times, it was his most used pitch. And if you're wondering, how did Nestor have a 280 RA last year? It was on the backs of that freaking fastball, dude. And not only does he vary the timing, he he varies his release point. You know, sometimes he'll release it even lower. Sometimes he'll release it higher. Sometimes he'll reach back for that 94, 95. Sometimes it's more 90 to 91, 92. Uh, and, and there's just so many things that can disrupt your timing as a hitter from Nestor. And then the fact that it just has that natural ride to it. 20 inches of induced vertical break is is 
really, really good. That's that's elite. You know, you, you see average in the big leagues around 17 and a half inches. Like he's he's several inches above what you would expect. So that's going to cause that that ball to just float right over barrels. And then you imagine that kind of ride when he releases it a little bit lower sometimes or a little bit higher. It is just an uncomfortable at bat for anybody. And then he mixes in enough other offerings. You know, the cutter has become a really good pitch for him and, and he spots that pitch really well and, and even manipulates it to a slider. Like he is he's kind of mixing and matching in a way that he's almost an artist out there. And, and it's really cool to see how he can take what's viewed by many as very average to below average stuff and turn it into something much more than that. And he's easy to root for. Uh, if you're newer to the pod, go check out one of our older interviews with him uh, during last season or just ahead of last season during the lockout. Uh, he was awesome and one of the easiest dudes to root for in baseball. So hoping for more of the same for Nestor, a guy that does give up some home runs, but seems to just always escape danger and minimize damage. And, and that part's awesome. Yeah. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can search up Nestor Cortez interview, just baseball fans. It's on there, or you can check out our episodes on Spotify and Apple podcasts of the just baseball show. Go check out that interview. One of our favorites and Aram, we watch a lot of baseball games. We've been to a lot of ballparks. Um, We're only 25 years old, so we haven't seen every pitch in major league baseball history. So cut us a little bit of slack for our older listeners. We appreciate you. We love you listening, but we can only say what we've seen over our last 25 years and coming in at number five, I think is the nastiest pitch I've ever seen in person. Yeah. And it was last year. And that's Edwin Diaz's slider. And I can already hear the Mets fans. How is Edwin Diaz's slider only number five to be number five on this list in terms of total value when you're a reliever, goes to show that it probably was the best pitch in baseball, right? Edwin Diaz's slider. It's Diaz. I just, it's comical to read some of these stats. He led pitchers who threw at least 50 innings last year in strikeout rate. He only throws two pitches, 99.1 miles an hour on the fastball but he throws his slider 58.3% of the time. This is the definition of throw your best pitches more. Although his fastball is 99, 101, 102, it ticks up there like crazy, he throws the slider more. He threw it 539 times. He allowed one home run. That one home run, a 363-foot home run by Dalton Varsho that scraped the right field fence. The slider by Edwin Diaz prevented more runs than any other pitch by a relief pitcher. And I still hang my hat on over the years. I've been to about 20 ish stadiums. I've seen a lot of big league guys. I've seen some of the best. I've seen Mariano in person. This slider last year was the nastiest I've ever seen in person. It, ever. It, I well, think what about there's, you? I think there's a bunch of major leaguers who would agree with you. Um, 52.4% K rate on the slider. Like you don't, you don't see that. You, you don't see a 50 plus percent strikeout, yeah. right? We're muttering over our words kind of, because it's just like, it's we're reading the comic books. This is it's, a, it, this is a, a superhero pitch zone contact of, of 65, 64%, which is, silly like you don't see that that there's no hitter in baseball that has even the worst hitter in baseball zone contact is not that poor uh chase rates are off the charts 
swinging strike rate is is one of the best I've ever seen. Like every analytical stat is crazy. The the, the pitching ninja gifts that you're going to look at, it's comical. Uh, the, it, I don't. This is in the territory of I don't know how anybody hits him. I think you're really cheating for one of the two pitches guessing a spot and and praying, right? You're just trying to stick the barrel out there. That's what Varsho yep. did with the wall scraper. Like that's your only shot against Edwin Diaz. And uh, that's why opponents hit 160 against him last year. And that's why I don't see that changing anytime soon with how nasty the slider is and how much better he got with the command of it too. That's the other thing that's really amazing is that that was the big thing that was missing. Most of the time it didn't have a shot. Now he's thrown him for a strike more than he ever did. And, and now it's a nightmare. Now it's a nightmare because he's spotting them. You're you're screwed. I'm glad you mentioned command because that's what takes pitches to the next level. It's one thing seeing a nasty pitch on Pitching Ninja, seeing a nasty pitch when you're sitting down and watching a baseball game. But then there's another thing to command it. Like if I can throw a 93 mile an hour slider, like there's other pitchers in baseball who do that. While it seems insane to even think that multiple pitchers do that, multiple pitchers can do that. But Edwin Diaz's command with the way he tunnels off that 99 to 101 mile an hour fastball makes the slider the fifth most valuable pitch in all of baseball. And it didn't total even close to the amount of innings that anyone else really on this list had. So it's just an amazing pitch. But it wasn't quite as valuable as number four. Justin Verlander's four seam, negative 24 run value. Dude, Justin Verlander is our modern day Roger Clemens. And the Rocket and Verlander, tons of similarities, right? 39-year-old Clemens put up a 4.35 ERA in 180 innings, riding a 93-mile-an-hour fastball when he was 39. But it was right in the middle of the steroid era. That's when, like, Barry Bonds was hitting 150 home runs in a season, and, you know, guys were juicing. So, like, the ERAs, it's like, for example, there was one year where Pedro had that 1.74. Clemens was at 3.7, and he was second in the American League. Like that at the time, a 3.7 ERA was phenomenal. Which is, which is insane. And Verlander this year, 1.75 ERA in 175 innings while averaging 95 on the heater before his 40th birthday. And the one thing I've always appreciated about Verlander, and I feel like this is almost kind of his calling card now, it might have been the same for Clemens back in the day or Randy Johnson. And that's kind of the level of, pitcher that Verlander is yeah, and has been over his career, but he can just grab a 99 miles an hour when he wants to a 98 miles an hour. It used to be he was able to grab 101. Now he doesn't do that anymore. So the peak is really 99, but like he'll sit 94 for six innings and then it's the seventh inning on his hundredth pitch and he'll dial it up to 99. So we always and it's been that way throughout his career from when he debuted in his 20s to now when he's in his 40s. He's still going to just have that. I need 99. Let me go get it from my pocket and yeah. deliver it at the top of the zone. It's what led to him being a Cy Young. Like it's not the sexiest pitch, I guess, because it's just a four seamer. But it doesn't get more valuable than the guy who had a 175 ERA won the Cy Young. And that was his best pitch, most used pitch. Yeah, high high chase rates, uh, enough whiff, super high strike rate, uh, and and threw it a ton. Uh, this is a guy that's just a vet, 
and he just knows when to to go to that fastball, where to locate it. And especially with, you know, Martin Maldonado last year, it seemed like they just worked in tandem. And every time he went to that fastball, it was in the perfect spot to go to that fastball. And, uh, you know, it, the way he was able to set the tone in at-bats with his four-seamer and then use his other stuff off of it. And this guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And, um, you know, it's crazy that he's still padding his, his resume. He should be unanimous uh, by the time he's done. I, I'm sure he won't be because of a couple assholes out there, but he should be unanimous. And it's crazy that at, at age 39, he's going to be 40 in, in a few weeks. He is still putting up, you know, some of the most valuable pitches in baseball, which is just remarkable. And I don't, I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. And it's the heater. It's not like, Oh, in his older age, he's developed this slider. I mean, he still has it. I'm not saying he does it, but I'm saying still at 39, the fourth best pitch in all of baseball was the four seamer. But at number three, I think from my research, this was the best pitch at inducing weak contact. It didn't have the highest whiff rate. It wasn't his main like, oh, I got to go 0-2 and this is the ultimate strikeout pitch. But it was impossible to square up. That's Sandy Alcantara's changeup. What a pitch. What a pitch arm. He averages 92 on it. Pitchers are lucky. Like if they have a 92 mile an hour fastball, it's a 92 mile an hour fastball. That's his off speed pitch. That's to take you off the speed of his fastball. Yeah. And arm, you and I had as many home runs against his changeup as the entire league did last year. He threw it 899 times. No home runs, one triple, 10 doubles. Opponents hit 145 against it. But what makes that batting average so impressive is that it was put in play more often than a lot of pitches on this list. They just couldn't hit it, and they couldn't hit it hard. Sandy's job, and we've talked about this, is to log innings, not just rack up the strikeouts, throw as hard as you can, get the count to 3-2, and then strike the guy out. He wants to get you out immediately. So Mm -hmm. he's going to start you with 100. Then I'll throw the change up and you're just going to hit a weak ground ball because you can't do nothing with it. It's the perfect pitch for Sandy's job. He should throw it even more next year. I I hope he throws it 40, 50% of the time. It is a disgusting, perfect. It's a perfect pitch. It's it's remarkable. Um, It's it's something that I, it almost defies what we what we're used to in baseball right is like uh, what do you mean 92 mile an hour change up it doesn't really make sense and he manipulates it sometimes it's 88 89 sometimes it's 92 93 and he spots it really well and the bet the best thing about it is you talk about the weak contact 69 percent ground ball rate on that change up hence the no home runs better than dylan tate's sinker yeah like that's stupid it's basically is a slower sinker that you can't differentiate because it's similar movement, but he has enough separation there. You know, the sinker averaged 98 miles an hour. So that's the craziest part is his changeup is is hard. It's 91, 92 miles an hour, but he still has six to seven miles per hour of separation from his fastball. So it, it, it's amazing how he's able to do that. I think something that really helped the change up this year too, was his improvement of the four seamer. Cause now you, you talk about tunneling and you talk about, you know, having a hitter have to worry about every region of the zone when it was just change up sinker slider hitters could kind of eliminate that top part of the zone. Now he starts buzzing 98, 99 at the top of the zone 
and has this changeup that he locates so well in the bottom part. And it just allowed that to play up. So I think that played a big part in it too. And that's why this guy won the Cy Young Award, man. It, it's amazing. And it's awesome to see because, you know, I love the big strikeout guys. I love the whiff guys, but there's something awesome about a guy. And it's not like he doesn't strike out anybody, 23% K rate, but there's something awesome about a guy that you know, doesn't have to strike everybody out to be one of the game's most dominant pitchers. It, it, I don't know about you, Peter, but that, it's refreshing for me. It is refreshing, and I got to be honest with you. So our top 10 pitchers list, I don't want to spoil it, but we're between Jacob deGrom and Sandy for the two best pitchers in baseball. I assume a lot of people are. I may have to change my list. I I had deGrom ahead. I might have to put Sandy. I'm not sure yet, but the more I dive into Sandy, the more I'm like, one game, like, Sandy can might be Sandy and and Sandy like Sandy's a full season guy. So he's not like you might not think of him for one game. But if we allowed him to throw five, six innings and then lead it off to a great bullpen in a playoff race, he'd be. He'd have a he'd have a one five ERA. So that that's a great point, dude. And that's kind of like, you know, you know, that's the case that I I would want to really make in, in terms of putting Sandy above DeGrom. I think DeGrom. It might be the most talented pitcher ever, right? But the thing with Sandy is, is if he wanted to go get those strikeouts, like you said, in five, six innings, Easily. he could do that. Trust me, he could go snap 94-mile-an-hour sliders and buzz you up 101 and empty the tank. This guy prides himself on being stretched out, not only in individual games, but for the season. And again, that was something that I've talked about on the podcast, but one of the coolest experiences I've had was I went to cover you know a game against the Nationals. He was facing Soto. Uh, and attacked him with the changeups, by the way, and carved him up. But after the game, through 115 pitches, I was like, yeah, this is like your fifth game in a row, throwing 100 plus pitches. How do you feel? He's like, I wish they'd let me throw more. Like he wants to throw 150 pitches in a start if it were up to him. He wants to throw 200 innings every year. I want to see one time where they tell Sandy, you can only go five innings today. I'd love to see what it looks like when he wants to just empty the tank in five innings, because I think he could be a, a high volume strikeout guy too. If he, if he wanted to be, he should be a lot of people's favorite pitcher because he, for the old heads innings eater. <laughs> yeah. Four seamer works quick. Shocks works quick. Big old presence on the mound reminds you of the Randy Johnson's of the world, but then the new heads, New analytics people, you know, the young people who love watching baseball, love the numbers. Go look at this dude's pitch data. Yeah. And tell me he's not elite of the elite. They meet both to create maybe the best pitcher in the entire sport. Yep. But the best athlete in Major League Baseball, maybe the best athlete in the freaking world. I mean, name me a player that can hit a 460 foot home run, throw a 90 mile an hour slider. And run a four four forty. Now, can he actually run a four four forty? Not sure, but he had the fifth fastest home to first time as a runner in all of Major League Baseball. And Shohei Otani slider comes in as the second most valuable pitch from last season. He averages eighty five point three miles an hour on the pitch, so it's not quite ninety. But the thing is, it's this manipulation of velocity with these pitches. I have video of him throwing 90 mile an hour sliders. Yep. I have video of him throwing 82 mile an hour sliders. It is nasty, but it averages 85.3. And his usage of the pitch has skyrocketed. Throw your best pitches more. I, we remember Otani for the splitter, 
right? When he came over from Japan, a lot of pitchers coming over from Japan, Kodai Senga, for example, on the Mets, Masahiro Tanaka, when he came over, a lot of these guys, their best pitch is the splitter because that's taught a ton in Japan. And Otani is a great splitter, but it's the slider. It's the slider through it 39.1% of the time compared to 22% the year before. Now it's he's had two straight seasons where opponents hit under 200 against the slider. I just, you keep finding things about Otani where he's the best at, like in high leverage situations, offensively, one of the best. High leverage pitching, one of the best. Sliders, second best pitch in baseball. He's one of the fastest hitters in baseball. He's one of a couple players who can hit the ball 120 miles an hour. He's one of a couple players who can hit 101 on the mound. Yeah. Everything he's at the top of. Yeah. Like, we don't even get what we're seeing. It's like impossible to comprehend because we have no. And the comments, I make so many Otani videos on TikTok and it's always like, what, you're going to keep meat riding him? Yeah, I'm going to keep meat riding him. Keep I'm going to ride his meat to the moon. I'm going to keep riding it because it's insane and you need to put it through your freaking head that we're seeing the greatest thing we've ever seen in sports. Yeah, I'm going to continue to say that. Like Bullet Rogan in the in the Negro Leagues, when we talked to Joe Posnanski, was like the only comparison Bullet because Rogan. Babe Ruth, in like 1918, he did it once and like it wasn't even as good as Otani's doing now. Like <clears throat> Bullet Rogan is the only person that we have to possibly compare and nobody did it over this amount of seasons at this rate as Otani against the best athletes in the world in Major League Baseball. And he's the fastest, Aram. The fastest part is, I think, the part that that he's the fastest. I think that's the one that puts you over the top, I swear. (laughs) I think you mentioned that. I think you mentioned that more than anything. (laughs) Like, you're like, and he's the fastest. It is is incredible. And the slider really was a game changer for him on the mound because that was kind of the question, right? We knew he was incredible. We knew that he's, you know, one of the best power bats in the game and a really good starter. We always knew that he was going to be a really good starter. But I don't know, like, how sure we were that he could be a top 10 pitcher in the game and he's right on the fringe of that because of what he's done with this slider we always knew how talented he was but it didn't quite come together until he found this slider now the splitter is a great side piece to the fastball and the slider i I think a splitter is a really hard pitch to to have as a number one out pitch as a starter because it's so hard to locate it's so there's some days where it's just not there you watch tanaka man when tanaka had the splitter he might throw you 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 could throw a no hitter almost you take a no hitter into the sixth but when he didn't have the splitter you might as well just chalk the game up it's over that can't be your number one out pitch it's just it's too hard and now otani has it for the second time through the lineup and it's also there's there's yeah, there's belief that it can mess your arm up too. You know, I don't know, sliders too. I think everything messes your arm up, but I think it yeah. also just takes some pressure off. But that's the big thing is splitters are either there or they're not. I thought Tanaka was the best example of that because not many guys had it better than Tanaka. And there was days where I was like, Oh, he doesn't have that. Man, this game's over. Like, and I know you can relate to that. Oh, I could certainly relate to that. It would be like if you start leaving it over the plate, it's like a bad changeup that just gets mm-hmm. hit to the freaking moon. But now Tony has this slider, but it ain't number one. And number one, since 2019, since Baseball Savant started tracking run value, the two most valuable pitches in all of baseball, 2019 Garrett Cole's fastball when he was dipping his fingers into some of the stickier substances. <laughs> allegedly. And then in tw- allegedly. <laughs> and then in 2022, Dylan Cease. His slider was the number one most valuable pitch at minus 36 run value. 
Cease threw his slider about 30% of the time in 2021, and opponents hit 176 against it. So he looked at that pitch and thought to himself, yeah, I'm going to throw that more. He upped it to 42.9%, and even though he's throwing it more than his fastball, hitters had zero chance. They hit 128 against it with a 22.3% hard hit rate. Edwin Diaz, his slider, opponents hit 114 against it, and that's in a one-inning spurt normally. That's how good this slider is from Dylan Cease last year. Opponents hit 128 with a 22.3% hard hit rate. To show you what that means, Nick Madrigal, who we know is like this contact guy where we make the jokes where if he slashed 280, 280, 280, it'd be a great season for Madrigal because he has zero power. He had a 24.6% hard hit rate last year. So Cease's slider turned the average batted ball into a Nick Madrigal ground out. Opponents swung and missed at this pitch at a 42.9% rate, similar to the way hitters swing and miss at Devin Williams' changeup, the airbender. He threw his slider 1,338 times and allowed 12 extra base hits. No wonder he's now a finalist for the Cy Young he was last year, and he'll probably be for the next five years, as long as he still keeps freaking throwing that slider. I test matches because it's so nasty. And he throws it more than his fastball. Throw your best pitches more. It might not be the regular way of going things where you have the four seam, you throw it a bunch, and then you have your secondaries. If your secondary is that good of a pitch, throw it more because guys can't touch it. Dylan Cease's slider, best pitch in baseball, best off-speed pitch in baseball since they started tracking run value. No wonder he finished second in Cy Young voting. So before I forget, Awesome interview with Dylan Cease. I know we plugged it a couple of times, but specifically as it goes to the, the pitch usage thing, it's really interesting. So he was on show and go with our guy, Jack McMullen and Taylor Davis. Uh, and they had an awesome conversation about from disc golf to, to pitch usage. But the one thing that Dylan Cease talked about is wanting to work on the changeup. And I'm thinking like, man, if his changeup's even okay, because it wasn't, he barely, he threw like 70 times last year. If his changeup is okay, if he can develop it to a decent pitch, oh my gosh. Like on top of the slider, which we know is the best pitch in baseball this past year, the fastball, which is just high velo up to 99. Yeah. And and, and a curveball, that's that's a fine third pitch. Like if he has a changeup that maybe is better than the curveball, this guy's winning the Cy Young Award. Uh, on the point of the slider, just something kind of funny, because this is the best pitch in baseball. I wanted to see who hit home runs on the best pitch in baseball. And this, if this doesn't epitomize how random baseball is, I don't know what will. I think it was seven home runs on the pitch, right? Altuve was one of them. But wait till you hear the rest of these names, Peter. Besides Altuve, Ryan Mountcastle, Javi Baez, who I think he closed his eyes and swung. <laughs> You have Stone Garrett, the GOAT, who was a free agent that just signed with the Nationals. Jonathan Arauz, who I don't even know where he is now. I think he was with the Red Sox at one point last year. The GOAT, Vinny Pascantino. That's not a surprise. (laughs) And then Jake Cronenworth, Wall Scraped one. Um, That like just to have that like dichotomy, like just just the group of of random dudes and then a couple studs and then the goat Vinny Pascantino. I just had to highlight that group. But this pitch is the best in baseball by the eye test, by the data. And Dylan Cease is disgusting. And the fact that he's locating this pitch for a strike now, 65 percent of the time, given his command issues in the past. This guy's going to win a Cy Young, right, Peter? I think so. I think he could be if he. 
if he improves on his command and that changeup looks good next year, he could be the best pitcher in baseball. That's yep. how good he is. Yep. Because he had terrible command last year and still was like a 2-2 ERA guy. Like, imagine if he starts commanding these pitches. Yep. Because from a stuff profile, it doesn't really get better than Dylan Cease. That'll do it for this episode of the Just Baseball Show. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit that like, hit that subscribe button, and let us know in the comments what your favorite pitches were from 2022. Tons more content coming. You can also read about these pitches on JustBaseball.com. I wrote up two different articles, one highlighting the worst pitches in baseball, then another one highlighting the best pitches in baseball. You can find those all on JustBaseball.com. Prospect Hunters. Go check out the call-up podcast that Arm hosts. Jack hops on from time to time. Of course, go check out that show-and-go interview with Dylan Cease and just keep following up on that podcast. They just released a new really fun episode about the life of a minor leaguer and all the different questions. Like Jack had some great ones. He's a broadcaster in the minor leagues, knows the struggle of these guys. Taylor Davis broke it down. Awesome stuff. Go check out that podcast. Super Bowl picks. I have them on Not Gambling Advice. Make sure to download prize picks. Because we're going to be doing a season-long entry, and you want to get your free coin, use code JUSTBASEBALL. The link is in the episode description of this podcast. Helps us as well. Helps us as well. You get a full $100 bonus. So if you put in 100 you get 100 If you put in 50 you get 50 Whatever you deposit, they will match on prize picks. Might as well use some free money to play the season-long entry, and it's going to be a ton of fun tracking all of that. Stay tuned for a ton more content on JustBaseball.com as well as all the stuff that I went over. Fantasy, college, top tens, World Baseball Classic. I keep getting DMs. Where are your World Baseball Classic picks? We're Can coming. We wait? Can we wait until the rosters are announced, please? <laughs> Can we wait? I know everyone's, everyone's getting all over it. I love it. You know I'm going to be over it. I was asked, are you going to do it? Of course I'm going to do it. What is what is the question? What, I know. You, you, you were already asking me. me, like, can I start? And I'm like, dude, j- just like, we, we got to wait, man. Like, we don't even know the roster. I need to see who's on the team. I need yeah. to see who's on the team. So that'll again do it for this Just Baseball show. And with that, thank you, everybody. <laughs>